On this episode of Final Fangirls, I dive into the presence of BDSM in film and fandom. Specifically, I'll be focusing on the Fifty Shades of Grey film and novel trilogy, as well as the 2002 film Secretary. There will be spoilers for both, as well as discussions of unethical BDSM practices and other inappropriate sexual behavior. There will also be vague mentions of self-harm. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Final Fangirls, the podcast that celebrates all things film from a fangirl's perspective. I'm your host, Tatiana, and today I am joined by me, myself, and I. <laughs> um, and I am here to take you on a, a little journey through the world of BDSM in film and fandom. Despite it being embarrassing to admit, kind of, I would say that I have a good grasp on the portrayal of the BDSM world in film and fandom, specifically in terms of films that solely focus on a BDSM dynamic between a sub and a dom or a master and a slave or what have you, and in the fandom sense, more of fictional portrayals through books, literature, fan fiction, that type of thing. Now, what's really interesting is actually how those two things are almost inherently connected, I would say, and I'll dive into that a little bit later about how fandom and film have inspired each other and I would say even opened up a world of sexual exploration that previously was unexplored or at least very stigmatized. And it's interesting to see how both of them have played a role in each other's development, basically. So for those of you who don't really know a lot about BDSM or who have only learned about it through very narrow perspectives, I will start by just kind of giving you an overview of the practice itself, and even if you are well aware of what BDSM entails, it's good um, to kind of just listen to this part so that you'll know specifically what topics I'll be talking about in this episode. So BDSM is basically an erotic practice, and it can involve a variety of fetishes and kinks, but the core of it includes bondage, discipline, dominance and submission, and sadomasochism. Now, you may be hearing all of these words and thinking, wow, this seems really fucked up or twisted or what have you. So I think it's really important that you kind of learn what each letter in the initialism stands for, and breaking it down can make the whole thing seem pretty much less intimidating than it comes across as. So... B and D stand, can stand for bondage and discipline, which, you know, obviously refer to bondage being tying, binding, or restraining a partner. Discipline is, you know, pretty self-explanatory, following certain a certain set of rules and being disciplined, punished, or whatever for breaking set rules. So the D that stands for discipline is also in D and S, which stands for dominance and submission. And this is kind of the behavior or interpersonal relationship between one person to another in BDSM or just in their um, dynamic. The S in dominant and submission also stands for S in sadism and the M in BDSM stands for masochism. So sadism and masochism are collectively known as sadomasochism and they are Basically, they are receiving pleasure either from inflicting or receiving pain and humiliation. 
So a sadist gains pleasure from inflicting pain or humiliation and a masochist receives pleasure from feeling pain or humiliation. Now, just to get it out of the way, I just want to say that anyone listening, if that has sparked an interest or if you have already kind of dabbled in BDSM, it is extremely, extremely important to remember boundaries and consent with your partner or partners and to always remember the acronym SSC, which stands for Is It Safe? Is it sane and is it consensual? And if you can't answer those questions, then you probably should not be practicing whatever you're, whatever you're fantasizing about. If you learned about BDSM through film, chances are you probably watched the 2015 film Fifty Shades of Grey, which stars Dakota Johnson and Jamie Dornan as the lead roles Anastasia Steele and Christian Grey, respectively. Fifty Shades is a British-American film trilogy series, and it's based on the book series, Fifty Shades, which is written by English author E.L. James. Now, in this episode, I'm going to specifically be covering the film trilogy as opposed to the book trilogy. There are some discrepancies between the adaptations, but since this is a film podcast, I'm going to be mainly focusing on the film portrayals of BDSM. However, if you want a deeper understanding of the trilogy as a whole, I would suggest that you check the book series out, give it a quick read or a skim, see if it's something you might be interested in. If not, totally understandable. So I have seen the Fifty Shades film trilogy. I've seen every film in it, and I've seen the first film, Fifty Shades of Grey, actually a few times now that I think about it. I think I've seen it maybe three times. And I actually find it really interesting because... My perspective of the film has changed vastly since the first time I watched it and the most recent time I watched it. The first time I watched it was a very jarring experience, I would say, and everything in it felt very visceral and explicit. And then the most recent time I watched it, it definitely felt a lot more tame, but I saw more of the glaring issues in its portrayal of BDSM, and I understand why it had a negative impact on the BDSM community as a whole. So the film follows 21-year-old Anastasia Steele, played again by Dakota Johnson, and she is an English literature major at Washington State University's satellite campus. Her roommate, Kate, is supposed to interview Christian Gray, who is a 27-year-old billionaire entrepreneur, but Kate becomes sick and Anna agrees to take her place. So basically, Anna arrives at the Gray Enterprises building, and it's super, you know, stark, cold, minimalist aesthetic and she goes and interviews Christian who immediately takes a liking to her very demure attitude and behavior I would say. So the two of them begin to develop a very unconventional relationship due to the fact that Christian Christian feels that it's basically wrong for him to be pursuing Anna and Anna does not think that it's wrong but We learn later that Christian's hesitancies come from the fact that he doesn't view himself as someone who is able to pursue conventional romantic relationships and that the only place he really has for Anna in his life right now is through a BDSM dynamic. And that basically proves to raise some complications due to the fact that Anna is revealed to be a virgin and has very, very little sexual experience whatsoever. So in the midst of them kind of understanding how this relationship is going to work, Anna signs a non-disclosure agreement, and that prevents her basically from revealing details about the relationships. 
The rest of the film focuses on Christian's adamacy that Anna sign a contract that basically states each of their sexual boundaries and the limits that they're willing to push and what they're not willing to push. And he does not feel that it's right for him to pursue her sexually until he has this basically written on paper. Due to Anna's kind of narrow worldview on sex as a whole, but especially the BDSM community, she faces a lot of confusion and inner turmoil over the fact that Christian is a sadist and wants to inflict pain and humiliation on her, which she doesn't view really as normal. By the end of the first film, Anna and Christian go their separate ways as Anna finds herself really disgusted by what Christian practices and doesn't see herself fitting into his lifestyle whatsoever. However, with Fifty Shades Darker, the sequel, and Fifty Shades Freed, the third movie, which came out in 2018, Anna and Christian's relationship develops further and they eventually marry and have a child. Now, one thing I will say the film does a decent job of portraying is the usage of things like contracts in BDSM dynamics between participants. That is something that is practiced by people in the BDSM community. However, it is not a necessity to anyone who is practicing BDSM or who has any interest in doing so. I think what's important to note is that in regard to Fifty Shades of Grey, Christian and Anna's relationship is built solely on their BDSM dynamic, so it makes more sense for things like a contract to be in place as the foundation of their relationship is built on their sexual exploration and what they practice together. Whereas if you kind of have a relationship and then BDSM is introduced afterwards, there might be less of a necessity for a contract as there's already an open line of communication between the partners. Now, that is not to say that contracts aren't a good idea. If you feel that that would help your dynamic and create a safer environment for both people, then you should absolutely consider doing so. But Fifty Shades definitely kind of made it seem like a necessity for anyone who wants to practice BDSM, and that is not the case. In Fifty Shades Darker, Christian reveals to Anna that his birth mother was a crack-addicted sex worker, and that she eventually overdosed and died. Sadly, he was alone with her body for three days before being taken to a hospital where Dr. Grace Gray worked, and she cared for and later adopted Christian. We later find out that his adoptive mother's best friend, Elena Lincoln, is actually a dominant who introduced Christian to the BDSM lifestyle, and he was her submissive. Sadly, Christian was actually a minor during this time, so anything that he experienced with Elena Lincoln was sexual assault and rape. Surprisingly, both Christian and Elena do not view this as such. Kind of makes sense that Elena wouldn't, but Christian also defends her wholeheartedly for her actions and views their relationship as not normal, but acceptable. By the end of the film, Christian's mother eventually finds out about Elena's relationship with her son and demands that she leave the family the fuck alone, and Christian also cuts all ties with Elena, which is very reassuring to Anna, who is, in this film, somewhat testing the waters of a relationship with Christian. In Fifty Shades Darker, we also learn that Christian doesn't view himself as a dominant, and that his act um, and portrayal of one in the original film was a cover for the fact that he is just genuinely a sadist who enjoys hurting women who look like his birth mother. And when Anna finds a picture of his birth mother, she realizes that they look very similar. So what does this tell us, really? 
Well, I would say that this basically informs us that Christian's perspective of the BDSM world is extremely, extremely warped by the trauma that was inflicted upon him when he was a child and a teenager, and basically that his actions with Anna as a whole are not rooted in a safe, sane, and consensual manner. We do kind of see the effects of Christian's practices when a girl named Layla Williams appears in the second film, and she is a former submissive of Christian's. And after their contract ended, she wanted more, and he didn't, and she attempted to move on and married a man who eventually died, and Layla spiraled into a nervous breakdown and has been stalking Christian ever since. So it's clear that Christian's previous practices in the BDSM world have not had the greatest results, basically. And while Christian and Anna do eventually end up together, and again are married with a child by the end of the third movie, we do have to kind of ask the question of whether Anna's introduction to this relationship as a whole was built on a good foundation, or if she could have found happiness with someone else. Now, what I think the original film fails to do is correctly represent how important psychological and mental state and thoughts are present in the BDSM world and in a personal dynamic, and how the physicality of BDSM truly relies on the mental and emotional state of both participants. When interviewed, Annabelle Knight, who is a sex and relationship expert, basically explained that, quote, Although some people think that BDSM is kinky, in some cases it doesn't have to involve sex at all. The mental connotations of some acts are more of a turn-on than the prelude of a particular act leading to sex. Marika Layla Rowe, who is the CEO of Shibari Study, which is a global online platform that teaches the practice of Shibari rope bondage, further emphasized how everyone's needs are different, and she gave some general advice for negotiating boundaries and consent, stating, quote, It is very important to learn how to properly and usefully negotiate with your partners. Seek first to understand, then be understood. Ask questions and genuinely listen to the answers from your partner. Seek to understand their genuine motivations and boundaries. Now, if you ask anyone in the BDSM world, they will basically tell you that the Fifty Shades trilogy is not a good portrayal of the BDSM community or practice as a whole. And it's important to acknowledge that these people are very well-versed in the world of BDSM and have spent years practicing it, honing their skills, and understanding the pros and cons of each individual kink and fetish. So, while you may enjoy watching or reading Fifty Shades, if you do plan on practicing BDSM or including it in your sexual life, you should definitely get some further perspectives and just overall read further on the topic. Now, with the presence of BDSM in fiction, especially recently, It can be easy to kind of dismiss the practice as something that has only come to light in recent years. However, we can actually trace the roles of sadism and masochism in fiction all the way to pre-19th century works. A French manuscript from 1660, which translates into a dialogue between a married woman and a maid, depicts an older woman giving sexual instructions to a younger and recommending the spiritual and erotic benefits of a flogging. Flagellation as a whole, which is the flogging or whipping, beating a human body with implements such as whips, rods, switches, etc., has been explored through the 19th century and beyond in works such as Fashionable Lectures, which was a pornographic book originally published in the 18th century, as well as other poetry and pornographic novels throughout the 19th century, 20th century, and 21st century. 
In terms of mainstream film, we can trace BDSM all the way back to the 1960s with films like The Whip and the Body from 1963 to films like The Piano Teacher from 2001, as well as numerous, numerous episodes of television in which BDSM is either a subplot of an episode or a reoccurring theme. You may remember the 47th episode of HBO's The Sopranos, which reveals that the Soprano family mob captain Ralph enjoys having a cheese grater scraped across his back as well as hot candle wax poured onto his unmentionables. Or maybe the extent of your BDSM knowledge comes from songs like Happiness and Slavery and Closer from Nine Inch Nails or S&M by Rihanna, which came from her 2011 album Loud. The fact of the matter is that BDSM surrounds us a lot more than people realize, and it isn't just a new thing that has recently arisen. Now, before we dive into the fandom side of things, I would like to touch on what is arguably my favorite movie of all time, 2002's Secretary. Secretary is an American erotic romantic comedy drama, and it's directed by Steven Shainberg with a screenplay from Aaron Cressida Wilson based on a 1988 short story of the same name by Mary Gateskill. Starring Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Spader, the film explores the intense relationship between a dominant lawyer and his submissive secretary, who indulge in various types of BDSM activities such as erotic spanking and pet play. Now, while Secretary does have its flaws, I commend it for its exploration of the characters' mental states and kind of what leads them to develop this dynamic between them. Maggie Gyllenhaal plays Lee Holloway, who is a socially awkward and emotionally sensitive daughter of a dysfunctional family. She has recently been released from a mental hospital following an incident of severe self-harm, and she's never had a job before, and so she applies to be a secretary, hoping that this will kind of help expand her worldview and get her back out there. The job she applies for is for the eccentric and demanding attorney E. Edward Gray, played again by James Spader. While the depths of his psychology are not delved into as deeply as Lee's, we can quickly understand that Edward struggles with things like vulnerability and that he does seem to practice certain compulsions that may be in line with OCD or another mental disorder. Like Anna in Fifty Shades, Lee has very, very little sexual knowledge and is presumed to be a virgin before she sleeps with her boyfriend Peter, who is very tame and vanilla compared to her boss. I would like to give a quick, quick shout out to Peter's actor Jeremy Davies, who I have loved since his portrayal of Daniel Faraday in the ABC series Lost. I think he is truly an underrated actor, and when I first watched Secretary, I was really excited to see him as a character. Even though he and Lee do not end up together, as she ends up with her boss, E. Edward Gray, um, Peter is just such a nice and gentle character, and I really appreciate how he treats Lee, and I think he is truly boyfriend goals. Now, one thing that really stands out about Secretary is that it uses the presence of a BDSM dynamic between two characters as a way to give them an outlet that prevents them from performing acts that are either harmful to themselves or others. Edward Gray has a lot of internalized emotions and frustrations from his job as an attorney, where Lee suffers a lot from low self-esteem and just overall depression rooted in her familial issues. Like Christian in Fifty Shades of Grey, E. Edward Grey has a lot of internalized shame over his sexual habits, and that actually leads to him calling off the dynamic between him and Lee because he feels that he's taking advantage of her or hurting her. However, after Lee kind of does a final declaration of love and submission, the two end up married and happily continue their dominant and submissive relationship. 
by the end of the film the two have completely opened up to each other and express love for one another that extends beyond their bdsm dynamic what's interesting is that mary gateskill's original short story originally had a more negative outcome to the relationship Stephen Shaneberg stated that he wished to show that BDSM relationships can be normal, so he significantly expanded on and gave greater depth to the story in order to make it into a feature-length film. Some of his creative liberties included changing lines of dialogue to make Lee's statements about herself more positive. Now, while discussing this, you may have noticed that there is a glaring comparison between Fifty Shades of Grey and Secretary in the fact that Christian Grey and James Spader's character E. Edward Grey shared the last name. So I personally agree with the suspicions that Fifty Shades is low-key kind of a ripoff of Secretary, which I think does a much better job of portraying BDSM relationships. Again, it does have its flaws, and we'll get into that in a moment. However, I think that as a whole, it is a much deeper, emotional, and less exploitative film than the Fifty Shades trilogy. In direct contrast to the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy, in Secretary, the characters do not enter into a contract with each other, and the consent expressed between them is strictly verbal. Now, the lines are blurred in the fact that the characters often perform BDSM scenes without discussing their boundaries or consent beforehand. And while it's eventually presumed that everything that happened between the two of them was consensual, it's important to remember to never assume consent and to always make sure that both parties are fully aware of what they're practicing, and have an open line of communication with each other. One other flaw that is shared between Fifty Shades of Grey and Secretary is the lack of aftercare performed by the dominant in the dynamic. After intense physical and emotional experiences in BDSM, the submissives often develop what is called a sub-drop, and this is an unpleasant feeling that can settle in moments, hours, or even a couple of days after a BDSM scene is practiced. During the intense emotions of a scene, your body releases tons of endorphins and adrenaline. Endorphins provide the body with an extremely euphoric feeling while experiencing pain, and adrenaline energizes you and keeps you going throughout the scene. These two chemicals combine together to provide you and your body with that euphoric feeling that you crave both during a scene and after. However, when your play session ends, those chemicals can quickly leave your body, and what was once a euphoric, perfect experience can suddenly feel painful or embarrassing. The result of this emotional impact can manifest as physical pain, extreme depression, irritability, anxiety, and fatigue. It is extremely important to practice things like aftercare to prevent and treat subdrop. Aftercare can be as basic as helping your partner clean up, getting them a cup of water after practicing a scene, or it can be as specific as having your submissive's favorite stuffed animal, blanket, tea, a good book or movie, anything that you think may help alleviate the intense drop they feel after those chemicals leave their body. Now, we've talked a lot about the media portrayals of BDSM, and it may seem easy to connect them through fandom by just saying, yeah, people write fan fiction or create fan art that depicts characters in a BDSM dynamic or act. And while that is 100% true, the connection between mainstream media and fandom in terms of BDSM is actually much more in-depth. Now, to anyone well-versed in the world of fandom, you already know, but to anyone listening who may not be as informed, the Fifty Shades trilogy was actually originally developed from a Twilight fanfiction series titled Master of the Universe. So to anyone who may have not known about that previously, it can be really interesting to discover that one of the most well-known modern portrayals of BDSM in film actually comes from fandom. And it just goes to show you that when fangirls put their minds to it, we can truly achieve some amazing things. 
Honestly, thinking about it, I don't know if I would want my fanfiction turned into movies. To anyone out there who writes fanfiction, let me know if you feel the same way or if you would be stoked to have your writing turned into a film or television series. I don't think of myself as someone who has a lot of internalized shame over writing fanfiction, but maybe this is proof that <laughs> I feel a little more embarrassed about it than I think I do. I also want to touch on the presence of book talk in the fandom world, and this basically refers to the exploration of literature on TikTok with a focal point on romance books that are kind of easily accessible through applications like Kindle Unlimited. I think that there are a lot of points of discussion in the book talk world that are good to communicate about with people due to the fact that book talk kind of arose out of easy accessibility to writing and reading. With things like Kindle Unlimited, authors can basically self-publish their writing instead of turning in manuscripts to publication companies, etc. And as someone who recently interned at a publication company, I can tell you that it's really not an easy thing to do to submit your manuscripts and be denied. I personally felt really bad about sending out decline letters to people who had sent in their manuscripts, especially when you saw all of the work and heart that had been put into their writing. However, at the end of the day, every publication company is different. They're usually looking for a specific type of author or a specific genre of writing, and if you don't fit into that, chances are they're going to pass. Thankfully, I was able to recommend other publication companies to writers who had submitted their works to us, and it was nice to know that I could possibly be passing on their work to someone who may be better fitted for their needs. Now, I won't dive too deep into the world of erotica. I think that I'll wait for my Pookie Bear co-host Brooklyn to come back for that one. But its presence in mainstream literature has definitely caused a lot of controversy between different readers. Again, due to the easy accessibility of publication, things like smut are being published more frequently and being consumed at a much, much faster pace. It's a lot easier for an author to post teasers or snippets of their work on TikTok and quickly blow up and be churning out book after book after book in what seems to be a never-ending spiral of publications. Even I personally have had trouble consuming books that have blown up through book talk, and I feel that that is directly due in part to, again, the accessibility and the fact that people seem to be churning out books quickly as opposed to putting a lot of heart and thought into one work. However, at the end of the day, I'm a writer, and I support writers, and if they're doing what they enjoy and are able to make a living off of it, I'm all for that. Even if it may not be my cup of tea, they are appealing to a large audience that enjoys their content, and that ultimately makes me very happy. I also enjoy the fact that people who maybe have not been big readers before are able to expand so vastly in the literature realm by having easy access to books through applications like Kindle Unlimited. If you're interested in reading some fiction that follows a BDSM-focused plotline, I would recommend you check out Highest Bitter by Willow Winters and Laura Landish. While I haven't personally read the book, I have only ever heard raving, raving reviews about it, and due to the fact that it is four books in one, each following a separate romantic storyline and couple, I think that you are bound to find something you'll enjoy in at least one of them. However, if you give the trigger warnings a glance and it doesn't seem to strike your fancy, you can absolutely go on Goodreads and find lists that are dedicated to highlighting erotica BDSM romance books and hopefully find something that intrigues you there. For my ultra, ultra fangirls, <laughs> if you're not into BDSM but you still want a little bit of smutty reading to do, I would recommend you check out any books that have been inspired by Adam Driver. 
And before you go, what the fuck are you talking about, Tatiana? Well, Adam Driver fanfiction, specifically Kylo Ren X-Ray fanfiction from Star Wars, has been adapted into many a book, such as Electric Love by Rosalie Thorne and The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. So if you're looking for some fiction where the main man is basically Adam Driver with a different name, I would suggest checking out one of those two. So with Valentine's Day right around the corner, if anything in this episode kind of intrigued you, I would suggest looking more into the practice of BDSM as a whole and seeing if it's something that you might want to include in your sexual life. If you're not sure where to start, I would suggest taking the BDSM test online, which you can find at bdsmtest.org. You can take it anonymously and it will basically tell you different archetypes that you fall within in the BDSM dynamic. These can help you understand which kinks and fetishes you might enjoy introducing into your sex life. And if this episode did the exact opposite and scared the shit out of you, well, there is absolutely no shame in being vanilla. I hope that even while being alone in this episode, I was able to entertain you in some manner. Just going to give a quick shout out to our co-host Brooklyn. She says hi to all of you guys and will hopefully be joining me next week. Again, thank you so much for joining me and letting me guide you through the world of BDSM in film and fandom. Happy early Valentine's Day to all my lovers out there, and to my fellow solo guys, gals, and non-binary pals, remember the wise words of Miley Cyrus when she said, I can buy myself flowers. You go buy yourself some fucking flowers and some chocolate and sit down with a good erotic fanfiction, because no Valentine's Day pairing compares to you and your favorite fictional character. Alright, I will catch you guys next week. This has been Final Fangirls, and I am signing off. <laughs>